when they took the Marshall Plan model and applied it to, quote, developing nations around the world, the music was all wrong. The plan to lift the poor nations out of poverty by designing them in our own image has failed. Hello and welcome to Why Are We Talking About Rabbits? That's this podcast, right? From Greenville, South Carolina, right here. Sitting in a room, recording in a studio in Greenville. So this is for people out there who, uh, they like heavy things, but lightly. This is from First Things Foundation. I'm John Hears. What we're going to do is use some philosophy, some history, some deeply immersive experiences in foreign countries, places we call often the old world. We're going to use all that to figure out the new world. On our podcast, that's what we do. This is Why Are We Talking About Rabbits? And this is episode 68, A Brief History of Foreign Aid. Sort of. So, foreign aid, that's kind of our mojo at first things. Like, send someone to help someone, but not really. Oh, foreigners who need our aid. Those poor people, let's help them. Ugh. That's kind of what we're talking about today. But foreign aid's a real thing. Like George Washington, for example. Did he have a foreign aid program? I know he had a foreign policy program. Like, let's, you know, consider a war with England. <laughs> That was foreign policy. But what about foreign aid? What about, like, did George Washington want to help those poor people in Africa? Have you ever wondered about that? No? Well, I have. I like history, and I've researched an answer for you. And here's the answer. George Washington did squat, not a Zippo. American foreign aid for Africa was zero during his presidency and really pretty much every presidency until the 20th century. Yeah, American foreign policy in the earliest years gave zero dollars to emerging nations or whatever term you want to use. Zippo. Spoiler alert. That might be a good thing. You see, until World War II, there really wasn't even a thing called foreign aid. There was foreign military aid, and there were colonial-style investments that might be termed aid, (laughs) if you want to stretch it. Here, we want to help you build schools in our image, speaking our language so that you will learn it and become better at farming rubber tree plants. Well, for the most part, the notion of giving large sums of money to other countries so they could become, quote, better, that didn't really exist. That kind of thinking is very new world post-World War II. And I'm not even sure it's real even now. But in 1948, when the Marshall Plan was passed between, well, between 1948 and 1951, more than $13 billion, around $120 billion in today's adjusted income, adjusted for inflation, $13 billion swam across the Atlantic destined to rebuild 
Europe. And guess what? Kind of worked. The Marshall Plan did a great job of stimulating development in Europe, in broken down Europe, while holding back the Soviet aggression. The Marshall Plan was a big hit. And as these things go, well, D.C. politicians started to copy it, especially a guy named John F. Kennedy, 1961. Kennedy signed the Foreign Assistance Act, 1961, and created the United States Agency for International Development, USAID. And that crew spent some pretty hefty cash overseas ever since. In 2019 alone, USAID spent $40 billion in economic aid. Now, I'm not talking military aid here. That's not aid to other countries. That's way more. This is an aid to help the poor people. You can say I don't say that. That's not what I would say. Let's just put that out there. You never know in this in this this very unfunny internet world we live in where everybody is very uh, concrete. I, I don't mean the poor people in the way that I'm saying it. I mean it ironically. Because often they're very, very rich, the people we help, and they're very rich in spirit. It's a spiritual angle. We'll get to that in a bit. So officially... USAID, United States Agency for International Development, is committed to furthering America's foreign policy interests in expanding democracy and free markets while also extending a helping hand to people struggling to make a better life, recover from disasters, or people striving to live in a free democratic society. USAID. That's the official... USAID version, unofficially, ah, USAID has grown to become the 800-pound gorilla in the very, very, very large international development world. Basically, USAID sets the prices for development. Think of it this way. USAID is to the international development market what Medicare is to the healthcare market. USAID drives the rates on things like building contracts and consulting fees. Sometimes USAID drives the rates in a good way. Sometimes they do good work. But, well, I'm no expert. I haven't written a book on USAID. I've met a lot of USAID people. And sometimes, well, it doesn't work. The help the poor people part. So, aid and the new world mindset. As we were just discussing, international aid has grown into a behemoth around the world, existing as an important tool of all the light people, government policies. Yeah, for the most part, international aid programs are a post-World War II foreign policy tool. We give and we get back. And the truth is, this type of giving, I don't know. It just doesn't have the right flavor. In fact, this type of giving isn't really giving at all. Let me try to explain. What if I told you, you and me and 
I don't know, let's say your car and your, I don't know, CD player. We were all on a long, long trip on Route 66, Route 66. We were taking a a journey, a road trip together. And, it, and during that road trip, I popped in without really asking you, my beloved ninth century, ninth century Georgian prayer chants into your car stereo there. And, and I just started playing them. And you were like, well, that's interesting. And I was like, crank it up, bro. Seriously, though, what have I made you listen to endless hours of music chanted in a foreign language and without any hint of four-part harmony for 12 hours on Route 66? Or what if I made you listen to Disney hits on a loop? And I told you I did this because I love you. And after all, Disney's lyrics are wholesome. What if I did that to you for 12 hours? Then what if I told you that by listening to my cool monastic music or my Disney ditties, you'd be happy? Trust me. And one day, if you toughed it out and you just really listened to this really good music that I am telling you is really good if you did that you would end up maybe with your own stereo car player in a better car in fact your very own car instead of the one you're renting what if i told you you could in fact you could own whatever car you wanted if you would just listen to my music would you love me back would you love me as much as i love you yeah the answer is obvious no but you might do it to get the car. Yeah, it's obvious you wouldn't like that very much. But what isn't so obvious is, is, is if this type of giving is self-centered. Because, I mean, you're going to get a car out of it and a stereo. And if you man up and listen long enough, you might get exactly what you want. Because I have it. I mean, the music, by the way, the Georgian chant that I mentioned, I do love it. And it is salvific. And you're going to thank me one day. Haven't I done a nice thing? What's so bad about giving you what I know will make you happy? After all, didn't war-torn Europe do well by jamming out to our Marshall Plan music after World War II? Right? They did as they were told, and Europe prospered. Europe was rebuilt. America got rich. Europeans got their lovely cobblestone roads back after being bombed all to hell. Why can't you do the same and enjoy the good things there in that car with me as I tell you all about my CDs on that trip down Route 66? Hmm? Yeah. Well, the difference in the me giving you the music I want and Europe taking all that martial aid is that Europe's road trip music was also our road trip music. Yeah, our European martial plan for them was written in four parts and they recognized it. 
it was recognizable to them. We, America and Europe, shared a common history. They liked it for the most part. And in the end, it was a gift because it was for them, because they were of it. But when JFK and others applied the same logic toward impoverishment in the developing worlds of Africa and the Middle East and all non-Western nations around the globe, when they took the Marshall Plan model and applied it to, quote, developing nations around the world, the music was all wrong. The plan to lift the poor nations out of poverty by designing them in our own image has failed. It continues to fail. Right? I don't think 12 hours of my Georgian chant will work unless you're already of and inclined to be of that thing, that culture, that beauty. Doesn't mean I shouldn't introduce it to you, but I got to watch out how. Is Western style democratic economy? Is this type of life we live, is it good for West African nations? Hmm. I'd say that that's not a smart question. It's the wrong question when it comes to development. The right question is not, is Western-style democratic economy good for West African nations? The right question is, what do they say they need? What do they say they need? Not what I say I think they say they need. What do they say they need? Check out these two articles on recurring failures. One's called The History of Aid Failures, and the other is The Seven Worst Failures in Aid History. You can find them in the show notes. There's a link. When you checked out those articles, and you can, you'll see that there is a theme going on. It has to do with a particular light person cultural defect. And on the show, you know that light people are people of the enlightenment. Yeah. What's the defect? Tone deafness. Or maybe just deafness. We don't hear no good in these here enlightened parts, especially when it comes to people who don't act right. I especially like the story about how rapper 50 Cent used starving kids in Somalia as a ransom for his new energy drink. Oh, we got plans. They're just our plans. And while they create a lot of stuff, they don't create a lot of true spiritual, mental, intellectual, or bodily development. And bodily here include yes, that's a thing. Because the rates of diabetes are going sky high in the places where we work. And that's because we keep bringing them our lovely diet. But that's another podcast. Let's keep going. Yeah, we're almost finished. But I got to tell you that at the core of our failure as donors of aid is the same problem that makes the road trip with my ancient chance torturous. It's the same problem that gums up our relationships with mom and dad. It gums up our relationships with the guy that lives down the street, our neighbor. 
It's the problem that afflicts every human being that's ever got out of the womb. Unfortunately, it's the problem that our culture has forgotten to call a problem and instead has embraced. And that problem is ego. In fact, in terms of human development, our ego is at the core of human underdevelopment. Bad relationships screw stuff up. And most bad relationships start out with bad listening. Hubris. It's difficult to really listen to others, you know, to hear the melody, to understand the rhythm. We don't want to take the time to listen to other people's music, especially when we know our music is really good. And we know. We know. It's not time we need, I think, to do development aid right. It's not just a little more time to do the right projects. If only they had more time to fully embrace what we're offering. No, we need humility. George Washington, cold and calculated as his policy may have been, he knew that foreign aid in the new world would never be about the foreigners. Foreign aid, as per light people Machiavellian, Machiavellian calculus, foreign aid for us is about the people and the nation that delivers the aid. We can see this in history. It's just real politique. But so what? What's wrong with that, Mr. Bleeding Heart, wearing a French baseball cap guy? Stop crying already, Mr. Bleeding Heart. You probably like welfare and universal income too. I can hear people out there saying that. Come on, Mr. Bleeding Heart, buddy. Mr. Snuggly Pants. Come on, man. It's how the old, it's just how the world works, dude. It's what happens in the world. Everybody's out for themselves. Grow up. Is there really something actually wrong with giving and getting back something in return? I mean, isn't that okay? It's a merchant morality. You got something, I got something. We're good. What's the problem with that? I can hear someone saying, what's the problem with that, Mr. Commie Man, Commie Boy? Well, my answer today is nothing is wrong with that. Nothing's wrong with that kind of aid at all. There is nothing wrong with getting back when you give. True giving always comes with a payoff. If that upsets you or it seems wrong, I'd say you haven't thought this through. Giving entails getting. It's okay. The real idea is to figure out what kind of payoff you're after. Is it monetary? Is it cash? As I mentioned in an earlier <laughs> podcast, the development game can be kind of profitable. We saw that an engineer can make $1,000 a day consulting in places like Sierra Leone or Suriname. That's a fact. Those places, yeah, where they go and make $1,000 a day, yeah, those places have annual incomes of $1,000 per capita. 
Ouch. Yeah, is it money? Are you looking to make money when you're doing your aid? Sometimes aid can be a way to get rich for the aiders. It's a type of payoff. Is the payoff you're out for political? Like, say, a brand new oil drilling contract in Iraq, a hot new health program, and say, quote, the whole world. Yeah, a brand new health program for the whole world where you help people by getting them to use your cool COVID pass and in turn acquire a whole load of information and a corner on the political market. Is that what your aid to other people looks like? Is that the payoff? Is the payoff prestige? Are you hoping your gift will bring you in contact with the cool people? The kind of things that happens a lot. Just ask the Donald. I mean, it's commonly understood that he ran for president to help his business. And then, oops, won. What's the payoff about for you? What if you give money or time to foreigners because you're lost? What if your payoff is to be found? Is that okay? What if the reason you give has everything to do with theosis, which which is becoming one with God? What if the reason you give is to become illumined? Too heavy? Here's a list of five people who are giving themselves their time and their money to various causes because they want to become illumined. And it shows in everything they do. Father Themi Adamopoulos with Paradise for Kids. Kathleen Coulson with the BOMA Project. Tom Katina with the Sudan Relief Fund. Vincent Penizio, a homeless preacher in Oakland. Dude's a trip and he's interesting. Paul Farmer of Partners in Health, and Ron and Sally Widbin with Alcesi in Guatemala. Those are five people, two of whom we know well. You know what they're doing? They're looking for that one kind of payoff, the kind where they're found, the kind where they become illumined. Does money follow? Sometimes, sure, absolutely. Prestige, maybe. But man, talk about people out there working so they can become aware of themselves, of what life is like, about what is good. Look them up on our pod notes. It's in there. Some of them are religious, but not all of them. I mean, the whole concept of religion is weird anyway. We're all religious on some level. Two of them are friends, like I said, but all of them, I think, have the flavor right. We believe on this pod, at least I do, that all of them have a chance at true development because all of them have figured out that the best kind of payoff is the one that illumines the gift giver as much, if not more, than the gifted. George Washington and just about every other president until JFK decided it might be better to skip development gifts to Africa and to, quote, those heathen nations. Ouch. That was one of the issues, right? They always had to add some dumb stuff. But yeah, Washington and the crew before JFK, they didn't give nothing like that. It wasn't how it worked. In some ways, I respect that. In some ways, a gift withheld may be better than the payoff of a gift given. 
May all of us out there in the aid world, may all of us who aim to help others, that includes you. Let's all think hard about the payoff, shall we? Shenny's Gagi Marjos is the end and the payoff of this show. To you, the victory. That means, well, that means victory and that's what we do around the table called the KP, also known as the Super, as we offer each other these magnificent moments of victory in our beautiful Georgian tradition that we apply to our work at First Things. That's our pod for the day. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening. Andrew Shork produces Watar. Daniel Paternos helps them. Click and go see the website, the websies that we've created, because we got a lot of stuff popping right now. See our restaurant in action being built. We're getting closer. Come eat there very soon within the next couple months. Go to our benefit concert, which you heard about earlier. Click on and join one of our classes at night. And here's another one. Go on a capy journey, man. Let's go see the world together. First Things is trying to do what it says it does, which is to offer sustainable long-term improvement into the lives of others. May we do the same at First Things for ourselves. That's the pod. Hope you're good. Nakpam dis au revoir. Jusqu'à la prochaine fois. Peace out.